Hello and welcome to the Inside Social Work podcast, where we take a peek behind the scenes into different fields of social work, engage and inspire practitioners, translate research into practice and encourage lifelong learning. I'm your host, Marie Vakakis. Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode. Welcome to this week's episode of the Inside Social Work podcast. I hope you, your family and friends are doing well during these difficult times. There has been a lot of change, a lot of uncertainty and a number of challenges thrown our way over the last few weeks and I'm sure there's probably more to come. So my thoughts go out to all of you, those who are working in the front line doing work with vulnerable communities and vulnerable people. We know it's a really tough job and thank you all for doing the very best you can during these extremely difficult times. In today's episode, I chat with Dr. Lilia Najad around managing anxiety during difficult times. She shares with us some of her ways of coping with stress and anxiety, and in particular during the times we find ourselves in now with the coronavirus, with uncertainty, with unemployment, and with a change in work-life balance. Some of my favorite parts of the episode are some of the memes and uh, video links that she's talked about that have just brought a bit of humor to and otherwise what could be a very difficult day and um, a number of stressful events happening across the world at the moment. There'll be a link in the show notes to some of the things that she's been working on and some of the articles she's written, one in particular where she gives um, 10 ways to cope with the coronavirus anxiety. So some really good tips there and some great resources for you in the show notes. I hope you enjoy my episode with Dr. Lillian Najad. Hey, welcome to the Inside Social Work podcast. I'm chatting with Lillian Najad. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Marie. I'm really happy to be here with you. Um, do you want to give the audience a bit of a background into who you are and what you're doing and things you're putting out? Well, um, I am a clinical psychologist. I've been working for over 20 years um, in a variety of um roles and sites over my career. So um, I guess I, I would say I specialize in treating, you know, th- mental health issues that range from anxiety, depression, um, anything with that has to do with um, mild to severe emotion regulation issues. I mean, I know that covers quite a broad spectrum, but I have I guess I've worked in um, so many different settings that I feel like my experience is quite broad rather than really specific. Um, So yeah, I've worked in um, community health services. I've worked in public mental health services across many teams like acute, you know, inpatient teams, cat teams, primary mental health, continuing care, early psychosis. And then I've worked at um, universities um, as a lecturer in clinical psychology, but also as a supervisor for students learning to become psychologists. And I have, in over the last five years, um, been working in private practice, which was a completely new phase for me, um, which has been great because it's given me a lot of freedom to pursue what I want and the flexibility to pursue it and all of that. So yeah, so I'm doing lots of things in the private practice. I'm seeing clients and I'm working on workshops for, for companies and um, writing books and releasing mindfulness and relaxation exercises and all sorts of things. So, so exciting. Yeah. I'm, 
I'm busy, but it's good busy. <laughs> yeah. And um, I guess in the spirit of sharing with the listeners is I always, you know, I try to practice what I preach and we often talk about keeping in touch with industry mentors and supervisors. And that's wow. how I guess we've kept in touch is because uh, I kind of stalked you on various social medias <laughs> as um, one of my old lecturers um, yes. and tutors. Well, you, you know what, Marie, <laughs> when you got in touch with me, well, I don't know, a couple of years ago, I completely knew who you were because you stood out to me as <laughs> students in my class. This was a class, if I recall correctly, it was the intro to counseling class. I think you might have been in your second or third year of your psychology degree. I'm not really sure. Somewhere there, yeah. Yeah. And um, there were three of you who used to hang out together, you used to always be at the front, and you were super engaged. And I really, as a, you know, as a tutor or a teacher or a lecturer, you really appreciate and you remember that. So when you got in touch, I was really pleased because I remembered you and I was so glad that you kind of continued along the pathway to doing this sort of work. Yeah, thank you. And I mean, I didn't continue with psychology. I've switched into social work and family therapy, but there's a lot of overlap in those Absolutely. two. Absolutely. Um, I think this is a good fit. So yeah, yeah. it was really nice to have our occasional um, coffee or now it's an e-coffee. <laughs> yes, well, it's an e-coffee for now, but that's, you know, that's serving us well. It's great to be you know, in a time where, you know, something t terrible is happening, but we can actually still connect via technology. Like if you think about if it was 25 years ago, how different it would be. Yeah, we'd be pen pals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like a lot of my family live, I mean, you can tell I'm American, so they live in the U.S. And when I first moved here, it was 25 years ago and I was writing letters and it would take two weeks to hear back. And if I wanted to call, it cost a dollar a minute to ring someone. So I, I just can't imagine what, what this would be like back then, just not being able to afford to talk to people or mm -hmm. to have to wait for two weeks for correspondence from the people you care about. So I think, yes, it's a terrible time, but we should be grateful for the technology available to us right now. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So we had a few ideas of what we could talk about uh, when we booked this in, but the world has changed uh, in so many ways since we scheduled this in and mm. we've both been adapting to the current climate and some of the work you're doing has also gone in 180 degrees and changed a little bit as well. So did you want to share with the audience um, what you've been working on and how it relates to the current pandemic? Sure, I would love to. Um, I guess the first thing was um, adjusting my life and also making sure that the clients that I see on a one-to-one -one basis felt that they were being supported still during this time. I actually switched to telehealth really quickly, um, probably earlier than most people. So I've been doing it for over two weeks now. Um, so I suppose getting on board with that and kind of becoming more familiar with that was like a, a very important first thing to do. And it was quite confusing with all the new rules and what you could charge and, you know, getting your head around all the Medicare issues and what we could and couldn't do was difficult and it was also challenging for my clients who some of them had to wait until medicare rebates kind of were al allowed before they could actually resume sessions which i felt very sad about and very concerned about so partly i was just keeping in touch with them we might not have had full sessions but i was checking in are you okay we can you know we can chat on the phone if you need to and those sorts of things I guess the other thing um, on my mind besides my own family and kind of helping us all adapt 
to this as best we can, was to, um, I guess, recognize that because I've been working in a field and with clients who um, have been dealing with challenging circumstances their whole lives, and the outcome of that, which is often extreme distress and you know, behavioral responses that aren't particularly helpful and sometimes harmful. But I felt like I'm in a unique position to impart what I can in terms of what skills and strategies would be helpful during this time where everyone's experiencing something really challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, so I first wrote an article, like um, if you want to have a look at it, it's on my website called lifeblockers.com. And it's just a link to that in the show notes as well. Okay. So it's just um, 10 ways to cope with coronavirus related anxiety. Um, And it also has lots of links to other people's kind of information and articles. I try to make everything really practical, user-friendly and evidence-based so that, you know, people know that it's a a kind of a trustworthy source of information. So that was one thing that I try to do first, because that's an easy thing you can disseminate quickly to many people, whether you know them or not. Um, but in the meantime, I've been developing uh, an audio course for the app called Insight Timer. Um, you may not be familiar with this app, but it's one of the um, mindfulness apps that are on the market, like Smiling Mind or Headspace. Um, Inside Timer actually is based um, from Australia, which is fabulous. Um, they're also the biggest free mindfulness app in the world, meaning they have the most users than anybody else. And wh- what I like about it um, is that you have access to like hundreds or thousands of different teachers teaching, you know, mindfulness and relaxation exercises. Um, that so. There, it's highly likely that people will be able to find things that suit them. They also have this other branch um, of their, their app, which are courses. So the courses aren't free, but they're like 10 or 30 session audio courses uh, on a variety of topics. So Inside Timer had contacted me to do an anxiety course for them, and I've been really busy um, getting that ready for them. So the launch hopefully will be on... Um, April 9th and um, and then people can access that. So that is a course about how to cope with anxiety in challenging times more broadly. Obviously it relates to what we're going through right now, but you know, people experience challenges as part of their everyday life as well. And so it's kind of more broadly I'm targeted at anybody who's experiencing any challenges. And I think that's something we need to remember too about this pandemic. Like this is kind of something that everyone is experiencing, but people have been dealing with other challenges in their everyday life. And this is just something on top of that, you know, for some people. So, you know, we have to like really think through, you know, how much, how much are people really going through right now? And there's going to be a lot of individual differences and, what else is going on in our lives and, and also like the coping skills that, that we have to kind of deal with these sorts of issues. So I'm hoping that the audio course will help people with that. 
Awesome. So how do you recommend people use it? Um, so those listening, is it something that they can do for themselves or do in conjunction with the therapy that they're doing with a client? What are some of the combinations of um, accessing these additional sort of external resources in the type of work you're doing? Well, I really think that um, I'm targeting clients, but I'm also targeting the general public because we all go through these challenging times. I guess in this course, what I'm drawing from is not just 20 years of experience working with people, but I'm drawing from uh, mainly four evidence-based treatments and therapies. Um, so the skills and strategies are primarily from cognitive behavioral therapy, dialectical behavioral therapy, acceptance and commitment therapy, and positive psychology. Those are the you know, treatment modalities that I work within. Um, it's kind of an eclectic way, but I feel like they're all also very much overlapping and related to each other. Um, and they also are um, able to provide practical skills that can be applied immediately, which I think is what people need right now. So I think partly it could be great for people who are already in this field, you know, of helping people in whatever kind of modality that is, whether it's social work or psychology or any kind of mental health clinician or, or support worker, um, just to kind of get a, a lay of the land in terms of what strategies are out there that are evidence-based, um, that draw from evidence-based treatments and research that would be, um, you know, not too difficult for people to understand and learn and practice right now to relieve distress and to reduce anxiety and to build resilience because I think that that's what we need to learn. So in the course that I developed, I really wanted to focus on kind of two pathways, which is kind of the acceptance pathway and the change pathway so that there are strategies that cover both kinds of skills and strategies to build resilience and to reduce distress. Is it a replacement for therapy? No, and I say that very explicitly in the first session. I say this, you know, that it's really important that you understand that it's not a replacement for therapy. Could it help you prepare for therapy better or to understand whether you need specialist support or not? Definitely. Like it can definitely give you that, um, that information and knowledge about yourself that might help you understand whether you know, self-help is enough or whether seeking specialist treatment would make more sense right now. So yeah, I definitely make that point. And I don't, yeah, I don't want people who are, who are extremely distressed and it's significantly interfering with their life or they're having suicidal thoughts or wanting to self-harm to think that this course is going to be enough for them. Yep. Yeah. No, that's a good distinction to make. Hmm. Is it something, I mean, I haven't, um, listen to this particular course because it's not out yet but often I find I've got some clients who like to do something like that as a bit of maybe homework or at the end uh -huh. of our therapy where they're a lot more stable and they're feeling like I still want to be touching in with you but maybe not as frequently they'll uh -huh. do something like that in between sessions and then we might talk about what they've learned how maybe hearing it from a different voice or a different perspective or a different exercise has worked for them and what hasn't and we use it as a bit of a um, adjunct to the work we're yes. doing? Yes. Yeah, I think that's so important too. Like I'm always 
um, adding additional resources on top of what we discuss in our sessions so that they do get a perspective of somebody else that who, who's actually probably saying the same thing, but might be saying it in a, in a way that they relate to more, or they might be touching or emphasizing something different that they, that our clients can resonate with more. So I think it's really important to find those, those different resources to add to our own work that we do with people. Hmm. One of the things that um, it's probably not the direction I expected this interview to go because weeks have gone by and the world has completely changed. Yeah. I think it's been the longest March in history. Um, (laughs) And will continue to be for a while. Yeah. Yeah. It's, this is the first time I know in my professional career where I've been going through the same stresses as a lot of the clients I'm seeing. So kind of what you were saying for some people, this is exacerbating already existing conditions. Yeah. And it's just one more thing they're dealing with. And for Uh others, it's creating a whole new set of stress that they never imagined. Yes. There's sort of this collective grief or collective trauma or just a low grade or medium grade anxiety that's I'm feeling that as well. And I wonder what are some of your, I guess, advice or some tips for those in the helping profession who are also maybe dealing with changes in their work, working from home, childcare, worrying about friends and family and all the things that have been um, taken away, how they can sit with clients in this space when they could be feeling just as anxious. Yeah. And I, I mean, oh, that's such a, a big question. And I think you're right that there's also this kind of added responsibility, I think, as, you know, as helping professionals to be there for our clients at this time, you know, even if we're struggling with kind of adapting to this kind of new way of life that we still feel like we need to provide that support for our clients. I think, you know, the other kind of side thing that I want to mention before I talk about what might be helpful is that I have been surprised by not surprised, maybe it's, I guess, uh, I found that a lot of my clients who have been extremely distressed and, um, you know, have gone through unimaginable trauma and abuse in their lives have been really resilient during this time. Like they have, they have, they've almost taken it more in stride then my clients who haven't had those extremely challenging experiences in the past, because this is just another, you know, it's almost like it's part of what they know already, you know, going through hardship or going through uncertainty or going through, you know, like, you know, what you said, like a kind of trauma, you know, that, that they have been able to say, okay, I know what this is and um, been able to take steps to kind of adapt to it. And I think uh, possibly also because a lot of people who tend to be highly anxious or distressed tend to isolate anyway. So this kind of extra forced isolation is in some ways comforting for some of my clients as well. Um, But for people who aren't used to experiencing major challenges, everyone experiences challenges, but um, you know, not necessarily at this level, um, and certainly not often. 
um, and they may not, they may feel like they're usually in control and there is a lot of certainty in their lives and all of those sorts of things that this can really be a blow to how we kind of live in the world and how we perceive the world. And it can really shake our sense of safety and security. And so I think, you know, it's important to just definitely take time for yourself to like decompress, to validate your feelings of being anxious. You know, it's perfectly reasonable for everyone to be at a heightened level of anxiety right now. Um, and I think just sometimes just telling yourself like, yeah, this makes sense for me to feel more anxious can be just a really helpful step to feeling less anxious. And also it can be really helpful for your clients to know that, yes, you experience the same feelings that they experience and to share that, not share that like in a, I'm not coping way, like that's not particularly helpful, but, but sharing it in like, we're both humans and we're both going through the same experience. And yeah, it makes perfect sense for us both to feel more uneasy and more anxious and to be worried about, the, what's going on now, but also like what the future holds because there's uncertainty for all of us. So I think, yeah, you just need to be real with yourself and also with your clients. What, what, um, what advice would you give for people who tend to want to fix it? So if one of their friends or family or housemate says, I'm feeling really uncertain, mm. they straight away jump to, it won't last forever. It'll be okay. Yeah. What are, what are some kind of, basic skills in maybe empathy or just sitting with that, that are going to be helpful. Yeah. I think, you know, that we have, uh, people are so different in how they deal with things, but a lot of people are like change focused people. So they just, they want, I'm probably one of those people. Like you just want to go straight to solutions and straight to like helping something get solved or fixed. Um, and you know, often that's a really valuable, you know, way of going, but it's also sometimes skipping in a really important step of just accepting how we're feeling now and validating how we're feeling now. And um, if, if people just want to express how they feel and just be heard and supported with that and all they get back is, well, why don't you try this? Or why don't you try that? Or we should feel this, or we should be grateful for that. You know, it can feel very invalidating and disempowering or, you know, or like, that you're not being fully supported or heard. So I think it's helpful for anyone to just learn how to listen. Um, it might also help to ask, you know, the person who's talking, you know, who you're communicating with, like what would be helpful to them right now? And they might say just, just to be, you know, listen and talk. And it might be, no, I would like you to help me solve my problem. <laughs> like, but getting kind of an idea of what people are wanting in the moment as well, and not just jumping into fix it mode automatically. Yeah, that's really good advice. Do you think some people jump into the fix it mode because they feel like maybe that person's blaming them? And I know we're all in close quarters at the moment. So sometimes if someone's saying, I'm just so distracted right now, I can't work from home and I just can't cope with this and this and this, that the person they're maybe venting to feels like they get defensive because they feel like maybe they've contributed to that. So again, mm. they, they jump to either problem solving or defensiveness or saying, well, I'm finding it just as hard. And then we're missing yes. that opportunity to just say, it sucks for both of us. Yeah. 
I, I completely agree with that. I mean, even like in my own situation, so my husband's been working from home for two weeks as well, and he's in IT. So he's been working every day, just like I've been working every day. But he, and he has a lot of uh, phone calls and online meetings and all sorts of things. And he's, we don't really have, we've just moved into a new house. So don't, we don't really have a study per se with like a desk. So he's just put himself into the, you know, on the kitchen table, which is basically open plan. So basically the whole living area is his office, right? And my children are in their rooms most of the time. And I'm just trying to do work wherever, <laughs> wherever I can. So right now I'm in like a guest room, like you might, you can't see me, but I'm like sitting on a bed. And um, my other option is our bedroom upstairs, but the internet doesn't work that well upstairs. So, you know, like you just have to, so I have remarks to my husband, like, you know, like you've kind of taken over the whole house, you know, and made like your work the priority. Um, and look, I have to say he was really, val he wasn't, defen he didn't jump into defensive mode, which was nice. He was like, oh yeah, I think he realized, yes, that is, that is true. He has taken over that most of the house. And, and then after kind of, we kind of could go both agree on the facts of the situation, we could go into solution problem solving mode. So we've kind of worked out ways of sharing the space or like prioritizing. Like if I have a client day, I'm going to need a private space where I'm un uninterrupted, you know, and that's the priority. Um, on my non-client days and I could be more flexible and just working out plans around that. So yeah, I think, yes, of course, if you bring up problems and sometimes people think you're blaming them and they need to fix it or they need to defend themselves against it. And I think if we just hear what people have to say and think, well, what are the facts of the situation rather than trying to interpret what people are saying or judge them for what they're saying or judge ourselves for what they're saying, then we are in a much better space to resolve issues that we might be having. It sounds like part of the broader way of working with um, the, the current kind of anxiety and looking at validating, empathizing. Uh -huh. And then once you've done those steps, then you can look at problem solving, but it's so important. What I'm hearing from you is saying it's so important just to feel heard. And yeah. To be normalized, I really think that you know because we're we tend to be like a change focused society, um, and we jump into that before the acceptance kind of part. That I think that that's the reason why um, attempts to change are often only last you know only last short term or they're ineffective because we skip over the acceptance part. We skip over the part where we're like, okay, this is what's happening. This is, these are the facts of the situation. This is my reality right now, you know? And we don't really get a good lay of the land. So how can the change process then be effective if we don't really understand what our reality is and haven't really accepted it for what it is rather than what we want it to be or what we think it should be? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I think, yeah, acceptance is a very important step if you want change to work. It was, um, I think I saw today floating around online a little comic by Loonig around, you know, it's a guy talking to a duck and it's like, the world mm -hmm. is changing. It's like, it's always changing. It's like our lives are in danger of 
you know, we're in lockdown. It's like life's always dangerous and it just keeps going. And it's like, we're living in strange times. And the little duck's like, tell me when was it ever not a strange time? Like it's kind of sobering because people are like, this is, things are changing. It's like, when have they not? But yeah, it's the same with uncertainty. It's like, when are things, uh, you know, ever certain in life? Like they never are. In fact, things are actually, if you look at it in a different way, more certain. Like we have really certain rules about, that we have to follow right now, right? We know what our next few months are going to look like. We're pretty certain that we're kind of stuck with this way of life for a while. So it's, it's always a mix of certainty and uncertainty in life. Mm. Yeah, wow. That's, um, I'm really looking forward to listening to your course because I imagine that there would be some, you know, even tips just for practitioners just to hear it from a different perspective as well and maybe give us a chance to be, um, not the client, but kind of take off that professional hat and just absorb some of the knowledge ourselves. Uh, well, I would love to hear your feedback when you listen to it. That would be great. So I'll put some links to the show notes for those. Um, by the time this goes out, it should have launched, which is really exciting. But mm-hmm. you've also got another one on there. So there was an insomnia course oh, as yeah. well. So there did you is... want to, uh, give people just a quick brief on that and we'll link to that as well? Sure. So um, Insight Timer asked me to do a sleep course for them because I had written a book called Life Blockers, the Sleep Edition, which was basically, a, um, again, evidence-based practical strategies to overcome insomnia. Um, And that was launched late last year. And uh, so again, it's one of the courses. So it's the way that this app works with courses is either subscription-based. If you do a subscription, then you get access to everything for as long as you subscribe. And But the other way is you can actually just buy one-off courses as well. And then instructors just get a percentage of whatever that is. Um, There are so many kind of online resources for people. So I feel like, you know, I don't want to just say, talk about insight timer. It's not my company, uh, but I'm obviously, you know, making you do putting stuff up for them. And I, and I want people to know that, yeah, insight timer is a fantastic resource, but if you prefer other apps or other online resources, I say, go for it, take advantage of all the knowledge that's out there that can help you with whatever's, you know, whatever's kind of concerning you at the moment. And whether that is that worry is getting in the way of your sleep or whether that is um, you can't stop ruminating about the future or whether it's just about, well, how do I like keep my kids physically active and not just spending every second of the day in their rooms, like on electronics and, or how do I balance my own needs for, kind of just relaxation and time out versus the needs that my family has for me to support them and the needs for my clients, you know, the needs that my clients have um, during this, during this period of time. And like, I think that's a really, especially for people in the helping profession, something really difficult sometimes to balance when you know that people are struggling out there Mm -hmm. Um, and you can't even see them face to face anymore to give them that kind of personal level of support. Like it can feel a little bit like you're not able to do your job to the best of your ability, but we just all have to adapt the best we can and deliver services the best we can. But at the same time, really make sure that we're taking care of ourselves through this process and that it's okay to do that. 
That's a, that's a nice segue into, um, we, I often ask um, guests on the show to talk about their own either strategies for warding off compassion fatigue or burnout. What are some of the things that maybe you do? And even now, how they've changed. So a lot of people um, over the, the episodes have talked about going for a run and going to the gym and having brunch with a uh-huh. friend. So many of those strategies are not really possible or practical anymore. Yes, how have you adapted and what are some of the things that, um, that you've been doing personally that help um, keep together and sane and, and move? Yeah. Well, I have to say like, I'm not, you know, some people are extroverts and some people are introverts. And I think I'm kind of like, I write in the wedge of that. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yeah, I am one of the, you know, I always, I always get right in the middle. You know, if I ever do the Myers-Briggs, I'm like right in the center. Um, so I really need to connect with my friends and my family and but I also really need my alone time and I used to have that a lot before right (laughs) I did I do two days of client work in an office and then I do my you know two or three days at home by myself and that to me is like rejuvenation time which I do not have now. Like I just, uh, we're never alone in the house. <laughs> so, um, so, but you can create that though. So there are, you know, so I make sure that I have some alone time to myself during the day. And if I have to let everyone know that please don't interrupt me for 10 minutes, it doesn't have to be long, you know, it can be 10 minutes, it can be half an hour or whatever, but where I go and I'm the only person in the room <laughs> And I do whatever I want. And that might be that I just lay down and do nothing. Or it might be that I play Candy Crush for 10 minutes. Or it might be that I text or call one of my friends. Or it might be um, watching a TV show that makes me laugh. Like, it could be any of those things. But it's just me time. Like, I need my me time. So that's one of the things that I always use as a way of restoring myself just feeling like I can just do whatever I want by myself. Um, the other thing just about this time though, I feel like I'm, I'm, we're doing stuff as a family more, which is great. You know, we usually have dinners together and stuff, but now we go walk the dog together. Cause that's like the only time that we can kind of get exercise legitimately and go out the go out of the house. Um, And safely as well. So we did that before there were restrictions about going outside. We did a picnic together. We played Uno. Actually, it was quite funny because we were in the park just to, you know, together, far away from everyone else, playing music and eating, you know, a packed lunch and playing Uno. And all of a sudden, this police car pulls up and starts speaking over the loudspeaker. And my husband and I immediately were like, what are we doing wrong? Like, I thought this was okay. And then the policeman goes, be careful. Your dad has a draw four in his hand. <laughs> Just remarking about Uno. It was hilarious. It was so funny. <laughs> he really lightened the mood for us and, and made us really appreciate, you know, like the policemen are doing their job, but they're not, you know, like they're, they're helping us. They're not like trying to make us feel bad for doing like things. That doesn't sound like they helped your husband there, bouncing his hand. <laughs> But it was, yeah, it was a great moment, I think. And, you know, we wouldn't have had that moment before. So just doing like those and having movie times and, you know, things that just that we can do together. I want to do more of that. I've been working a lot lately, so I need to like find more time to do those sorts of things. 
because they, they do fill you up. There's also lots of funny things online. I saw an amazing thing today. Hopefully, I think it's probably, it's probably on YouTube or something, but it's this British family singing to Les Mis about <laughs> what's going on during the coronavirus. And it's, it is so good. It's hilarious. But like that song from Les Miserables is so moving that you can't help but feel emotionally moved by the music, but then laugh at what they're singing. So it's like you're laughing and crying at the same time. It's, it's quite, it's very good. So I think taking advantage and, you know, making sure that there's humor in everything, like as much as possible can be so, so helpful during challenging times. There's some really good tips and I will, first thing I do when I get up to look up <laughs> that YouTube clip. I'll try to send um, you the link. And in terms of in a professional capacity, apart from keeping in contact with really excited former students, what other things <laughs> do you do to, to, keep, um, to keep yourself kind of connected with other professionals in the different projects and different workspaces that you're in? Well, uh, I do have my regular supervision sessions with my um, colleague and friend, um, someone who I actually went to school with way back in the um, olden days. Um, and we now are doing our sessions via, you know, online means. So that's been working fine. So we get to connect on a professional level. Um, I, I had an, I recruited a number of family members and my supervisor to go over my course and give me some feedback and some advice um, on whether it was helpful or not helpful and kind of getting like um, ideas from people who aren't in the helping profession as well, like who are educators or who are, go, who are going through anxiety themselves can be a really helpful way of making sure that what you're delivering is, you know, make, you know, is the right, is the right process and the right and the most helpful way to impart kind of those skills and strategies. Um, but I think, you know, I probably garner the most support from just my close friends and family and um, from all kinds of walks of life and all different professions and kind of getting a sense of how different people are dealing with what's going on. And, you know, you can learn things from anyone that you come in contact with. So making sure that you do have those regular times where you get together. And, you know, there are some fun ways to do that too, like, you know, online coffee chats or online phone calls. My brother's just scheduled a, a group family phone call for Saturday. It was too early for me originally because, you know, they don't think about Australia time, do they? I'm like, yeah, I don't really want to get up at seven in the morning on a Saturday. <laughs> so can we just do it a little bit later? But just like things like things like that, just making sure that regular contact with people who are close to you who, or um, people who you care about is, is so important. Great. So the key take home message is uh, laughter, having me time, funny things. And then just how we, I guess we support others. So accepting, validating, empathizing. Um, and there's a whole bunch of tips in your 10 ways to cope with the coronavirus anxiety article. Uh, and those who want to learn a little bit more can head over to Insight Timer, check out your courses, and there'll be links to all of those in the show notes. Oh, well, that's great, Marie. I really enjoyed having our chat today. And it's been a highlight. <laughs> we'll put up the original um, topics maybe when this is all over, but I think this was a much um, more 
kind of pressing topic to get through um, considering the times that we're in. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thank you. Enjoyed today's podcast episode. A link to all of Lillian's resources will be available in the show notes, so you can check that out at the Inside Social Work podcast website. Uh, don't forget to click subscribe, uh, leave us a rating or a review, uh, wherever it is you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes for today's episode's resources, and don't forget to click subscribe and review us wherever it is you get your podcasts.